Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> it may be the nighttime. But the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Well, don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening. Going to be with you for the, for the full three. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. Take the Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. Your Swatch Watch, your iPod Nano, your Nintendo 64, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to keep up with us is through our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Producing the show on the other side of the glass, Day-Day is in the house at the D. Lewis for real. You know, uh, Day-Day, something strange has gone on with my Twitter that all of a sudden there was this mass of following from people that all have these fake, phony profiles. Like they're oh, a bunch they, of bots. Yeah, I mean, like how how did they all get my Twitter page? Something you tweeted, and something you tweeted out probably had a word or hashtag in it that those bots um, are looking for, and so that's what that is. I mean, it's usually wrestling, usually Falcons, Wendy Corona. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's. It's weird. like all of a sudden, all these fake profiles that are just the most phony and, and like they've all got no followers to them. Right. You know what I mean? Like you look at their, you know, you know, like you can hover over the name yeah, yeah. of the Twitter. They all got zero, 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 yeah. zero, two. Oh, all bots. Yeah. Oh something, you, something you either tweeted or Ugh. responded to or something. It is. What's his name? Um Elon Musk, is he going to clean all this up? <laughs> is he going to get rid of all these bots for me? Yeah, he doesn't care. Oh, man, he should have a little bit more sympathy for me on <laughs> all this. But, yeah, it's just the dumbest thing imaginable. And, I mean, it's just it's so fake and phony. You know, I, I'm telling you, I get so many fake, phony DMs from people. I mean, literally, I, I get, a, you know, a good amount of DMs from legitimate people. But I'm talking about I get so many Hey, I can help your crypto portfolio. And, yep. And yep. hey, do you want to meet up? Like you're in like Kazakhstan, Russia, or something. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Like it's just, again, I thought you know it was going to be different, you know, on Twitter, but I guess it's you know now we're doing X. Uh, so anyway, it's just <laughs> uh, 
it's just ridiculous. So, all right, uh, getting ready for Braves baseball here uh, tonight. Braves did get pounded uh, last night. Um, funny that two of the guys that you know had a hand in all that all of a sudden end up on the IL. Um, I guess Soroka saying that he doesn't have feeling in his fingers or something. How did he not know that before he pitched? I, I that just came on after the game last night, and he couldn't pitch very well. All of a sudden, he said he didn't have feeling in his fingers, and then Colin McHugh's got right shoulder inflammation after he was dreadful and got pounded around last night. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not saying that there's gamesmanship, but there's a lot of fishiness to some of this stuff. So, um, you know, just convenient that, you know, when the two guys just got pounded that have not pitched pitched lately or pitched well, and all of a sudden now everybody's hurt. Now, now everybody's hurt nowadays. So anyway, it's just it's just crazy. Um, so Spencer Strider will get the ball uh, tonight. We'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, your lineup tonight: Ronnie, Ozzy, Riley, Olson, Ozuna hitting fifth uh, tonight. Uh, Rosario, Murphy hitting seventh. Arcia and Michael Harris. And and we'll talk more about Michael Harris coming up at the uh, top of the nine o'clock hour. Um, is interesting because Michael Harris. And Michael Harris has played the same exact number of games last year and so far this year. And we'll kind of compare and contrast a little bit. But, uh, Day-Day, you know, you and I were talking about the idea of who may be the leaders in the clubhouse for the National League, Cy Young. So when you look at, the, I think the three guys are Ian Snell, Justin Steele, and Spencer Strider, right? I think yeah. that's the three clear-cut favorites. Snell has the highest wins above replacement for a pitcher. Uh, Steele is third. Strider is eighth. ERA, Snell is first. Steele is second. Strider is ninth. Now, he's a full run behind those two guys, but he's still in the top ten. As far as wins, Steele and Strider lead the, uh, lead the National League in wins. Um, Snell is tied for sixth uh, in wins. Um, whip Strider is number one in whip. Um, Steele is number seven and Snell is not in the top 10 strikeouts. Uh, Strider, number one, Snell, number two, who's over 200 by the way. And, uh, Steele is not in the top 10. He's only got about 140, um, strikeouts innings pitched. Um, Strider is ninth. The other two guys are not uh, in the top ten. So that's the other part of this, too, is that, you know, Snell's innings pitched is not a very high number. He's been really good, but his innings pitched is not very high um, in that. So, again, you know, we'll see what happens when all is said and done, but I think that's the three clear-cut favorites. And, you know, I think it's going to be a fun race to see, you know, does – do the writers, I should say, do they reward a Spencer Strider for playing on the best team in baseball? You know, part of, I think, what Ronnie's appeal is, is that he's the best player on the best team in Major League Baseball. There is something to that. So Spencer Strider, does he get some benefit of the doubt? Again, I still think that if he leads the league and wins and he has 300 strikeouts, it's going to be hard not to vote for Spencer Strider. That that's that that's not a situation. And look, and guess what? We got Bally's on. They just put the graphic up about uh, Strider, Snell, and Steele. 
They just they literally got the graphic up uh, for it. So uh, obviously they were listening in to what I just was saying. So they uh, they put a quick graphic together and and are putting it up. So see that see that dating. So again, we, we're influencing everywhere. So even the Bally's folks who are what they're they're. Are, are they next door? Yeah. The, well, are they? Not they're in the, build, they're in the, they're in the tower. building next door to yeah, us, they're right? In the other tower, yeah. All right. So they're in the building next door, but obviously they've got a pipeline in to what we're saying. So they help. Chuckery influences everything. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the way it rolls around here. So um, you know, anyway, um, so we'll see what the, what happens tonight. Again, Braves got pounded by a last place team last night. They need to get things turned around. Should should be no reason to lose any more games to the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, who are our last-place team, and then, what, I think they get ready for Pittsburgh, who, if it wasn't for the Cardinals, they'd be in last place themselves. So, again, we talked about this last night. There's a lot of wiggle room in the schedule. I, I It didn't matter necessarily even what the Braves did against the It was great what they did against the Dodgers, but at the end of the day, it probably wouldn't have meant as much because Braves have a, a pretty easy schedule. Seven to finish, seven of ten to finish off the year against the Washington Nationals. Cardinals are a last place team. Pirates are second to last. Um, you know they've got a lot of winnable series here, and obviously the Braves have pounded everybody, and they've really been good against teams above five hundred. But there's a lot of last place teams and bottom feeding teams that they're going to play here in this final stretch of the season. So it all starts tonight. Uh, hopefully Strider goes out and really shuts them down and. Has about 12 strikeouts tonight with about seven innings and a run. And uh, Braves get back on track after uh, getting pounded uh, last night. Uh, Just 24 hours away from NFL foosball as the opener. And uh, don't forget, 92-9 the game is going to have the NFL all season long. So we've got the Monday night game. We've got Thursday night game. So we're going to have all the NFL action covered. So... Obviously, tomorrow night, Detroit versus the Chefs. And uh, a lot of questions about the Chefs right now. You know, Chris Jones is complaining about his contract. Travis Kelsey looks like he may not play. You know, there's a lot of question marks about what the Chefs are right now in the short term. Uh, and and look, Detroit, we talked about Detroit all through the offseason. They're an up-arrow franchise. Who who'd they draft? Uh, didn't didn't they draft? They, they drafted a bunch of wide receivers, didn't they? Over no. the last two years, huh? <laughs> no. What what? Uh, Not at all. Oh, well they did. Well, certainly they didn't draft offensive and defensive line or anything, did they? I mean, over the last two years. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, they kind of did. What? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Is that maybe kind of why one of the reasons why they're up arrow? Anyway. Um. So, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, Detroit's a game team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to win, you know, tomorrow night. I mean, again, obviously a lot of emotion. Chiefs have the Super Bowl trophy in hand. I'm, I'm sure that they're – what are they having, like the big ring and, and trophy ceremony and all this good kind of stuff, and there'll be a lot of emotion, you know, around that game or what have you. So, But, again, if Chris Jones and Kelsey aren't, aren't playing in that game, that certainly gives an opening – uh, to the Lions, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I did see an interesting stat from, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Ed, uh, is it Ed Werder from ESPN? Guy used to cover the Cowboys, right? I yeah. guess um, quarterbacks drafted number one overall the last, like, 
15 years in their season opener are like oh or like oh 14 and 1 or something like that like i saw there was a weird stat like there hasn't been an, a, a quarterback that's won on opening day in like 15 years or something like that that was drafted number 1 overall or the last i shouldn't say 15 years uh because again other players have been drafted number 1 but quarterbacks that have been drafted number 1 overall the last 15 times they've played opening up a season they've lost i think it's like 014 and 1 or something crazy like that so again they they haven't found a way to win so um, obviously, that's good news for the Falcons. I mean, you know, again, we need every bit of good news we can get uh, out of all of it. But we'll have the game coming up tomorrow night, Chefs and uh, Detroit. Uh, we'll talk to our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney. We'll get you ready for Falcons foosball coming up on Sunday. Um, is obviously that will be a uh, uh, one o'clock kick. Eleven o'clock will be pregame. That'll be Chris Goforth. Mike Johnson, they'll have all the pregame action and postgame action uh, with you as well. And then the uh, ball, uh, toe meets leather at 1 o'clock. West Durham and Dave Archer will have the call for all of that as the Falcons get underway from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So we'll talk, uh, and we'll be talking to Tori McElhaney all through the season on Wednesdays as we are around, if, if there's not soccer or something like that going on. But we'll talk to her on Wednesdays to get you ready for the game. We will hear from Arthur Smith. Uh, both in the Falcons' flyover uh, from his presser today and uh, as he joined Dukes and Bell. Uh, and I guess they were all together, right, because Dukes yeah. and Bell were up in Flowery Branch. Yeah, every Wednesday they'll be with uh, with Coach Smith and nice. then they'll get a player as Are well. Are they in the closet or were they in the actual studio? They were in the actual uh, Ticketmaster studio. studio, yes. Okay, so they were actually in the studio. Yes. Well, right. at least that's what they that's where they were supposed to be. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Where were we? <laughs> Well, I was here. Well, yeah, here. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and uh, what? What's the? What was the engineer? Jersey Mike. Crazy Mike. Yeah, <laughs> My, me and uh, Crazy Mike were, you know, moving uh, Swiffers out of our way, um, mops, dusters, vacuum cleaners. Uh, you know, the, you know the mop buckets that are on wheels and all that. Like we were moving that stuff out of the way. So um, we got out of the closet. Thankfully, we finally got out of the closet. Anyway. But uh, we'll talk uh, to Tori, and uh, we'll hear from uh, Arthur Smith as uh, well. And like I said, we'll uh, keep you up to date all night long about what goes on with uh, the Atlanta Braves. Um, so, again, uh, we've got football tomorrow night, high school scoreboard show. Where are you going to be officially? Uh, so, officially, I will be uh, at the Miller Grove and Campbell game. At uh, Miller Grove, we'll be hosting okay. both teams coming in um, at 2-1. and one two-game win streaks for both of them. So one of them's going to be able to keep some momentum. The other one's going to take a step back. Okay. I don't know who uh, I don't know who Woodstock or Cherokee. The Woodstock and Cherokee, Cherokee played, is playing. Wood, Woodstock and uh, Cherokee played last week, and Woodstock uh, got crushed yeah, by Cherokee. Yeah, Cherokee I, just crushed them. I saw Cherokee. Cherokee has an away game because I was going to ask you if you were going to go to it, but I can't remember who they were playing. I don't even know. Um, I, can't, I can't remember. It's not Etowah. Etowah's coming up soon. It might be. Etowah. Maybe it is. Maybe it, it is Etowah. Etowah. Yeah, it might, might be. be Etowah. Might go to that because again, I'll I'll have I'll, I'll be having to take my daughter and everything. So that's my uh, ex-wife's uh, alma mater okay. too. By the way, it should be a so, good game. Um, yeah, I, I is Etowah any good this year? I mean, Cherokee's been kind of hit or miss, but 
Yeah, uh, Etowa, I, th- I want to say they're, 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 they're a little bit of a slow start for them, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But shout out to their softball team. Softball team's doing really good. Okay. All right. Good for that. So, all right. When we get back, thoughts about the matchup on Sunday as we get you ready for football action coming up with the Falcons and Carolina Panthers. Get your thoughts as well. 404 726 0929. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio 19 on the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at it, Chuck Show, hanging out here in the Key Studios Wednesday night with you. 404-726-0929, that's both our phone line and our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line as Braves get uh, underway here. Spencer Strider's about to throw the uh, first pitch, and uh, we're underway from Truist Park. Sunday, though, we get uh, NFL football as Falcons and Panthers meet up you know, last two years, they have split the series. Obviously, the Falcons won that game in overtime. Probably, fortunately, they won that game uh, in overtime because, again, Carolina, um, you know, they kind of snatched a victory from the uh, – or snatched a defeat from the jaws of victory. And then, of course, that Thursday night game, the all-timer of all-timers, the Marcus Mariota game, which that game will forever be known as the Marcus Mariota game. That was probably the low point of the season for the Atlanta Falcons, and it probably should have signaled the start of the Desmond Ritter era. But you know, again, it's you know probably could have even been probably could have even been uh, before um, all of that. But um, you know, certainly that felt like it should have been the jumping-on point for Desmond Ritter because the season was not going anywhere after that 25-15 victory for the Carolina Panthers. Now, though, you know, if you if you look statistically last year, and, and in some ways if you look at what these franchises are, you know, they were very similar in a lot of the statistics last year from both an offensive and especially a defensive standpoint. And when you talk about passing yards, rushing yards given up, uh, points per game given up, you know, they – Again, they weren't necessarily exact mirror images, but they were very close to one another in most offensive and defensive categories. Save rushing yards for the Falcons. I mean, that was the Falcons finished third in the league in rushing, and the Fal- and the uh, sorry the um, uh, Panthers had 35 sacks. So that's the two big numbers that really separated the Falcons and Panthers. Falcons were a really good rushing team. Um, unlike what the Panthers were, but obviously the Falcons, um, or I should say the Panthers, made it up on the defensive side of the football, gaining 35 sacks to the Falcons' 21. Now, when I look at this game, I think this game is all about the Falcons' defense and 
putting pressure on Bryce Young. And look, these two teams have overhauled their offenses and added different pieces and stuff like that. You know, obviously John U. Smith, B. John Robinson, but obviously the Panthers have, you know, wide receivers, Bryce Young now at quarterback. I mean, you know, again, they have a new head coach on uh, Frank Reich, who's an offensive minded guy uh, who did wonders for the Philadelphia Eagles and Nick Foles and Carson Wentz and all that when he was there, you know, as they were going to the Super Bowl that season. So, again, I know expectations are high, but as we said, you know, first, uh, First drafted overall quarterbacks, you know, have not had a good time of it over their last 15 starts. So when you look at that, a lot of things favor the Falcons in this game. And I think it's all going to be about the defensive pressure and keeping Bryce Young out of rhythm, keeping him from getting comfortable, keeping him from just being able to settle in the pocket and make plays. Yes, Bryce Young can make some plays with his legs. That's not what he wants to do. And he didn't even do that at Alabama, by and large. He was a guy that wanted to stand in the pocket and spread the ball around. Now, he obviously had, you know, a whole bunch of first-round NFL caliber, you know, receivers and, you know, all the personnel that he had over his, you know, few years in Alabama. But still, you know, he's a guy that wants to play from the pocket. And if you can get him off his spot, make him uncomfortable, force him into some throws, you know, hopefully, you know, if they decide to attack or outside corners, which, again, outside of A.J. Terrell, I think that that's going to be where the Panthers are going to attack in their passing game is who's ever our second corner. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about in the top of the hour, and we'll talk about this with Tori McElhaney coming up in about 15 minutes about just kind of where we're at on the injury report. But certainly – you know, you probably won't pick on A.J. Terrell as much. If it is Jeff Okuda or if it is another starting cornerback, you probably pick toward that side. You probably don't pick toward the middle of the field. You probably pick on what our second corner is. So you've got to be up to the challenge, but you've absolutely got to get pressure with your front. Now, for the Falcons offense, I think the real key is when they decide to throw it, you've got to protect Desmond Ritter. Now, Brian Burns did practice today. Now, again, there was speculation about whether or not he would play on Sunday. Would he be Would he be playing against the Falcons? And he said, um, you know, or I should say Frank Reich has said that, you know, Brian Burns hasn't made himself a distraction. That was the quote from Frank Reich. But obviously we will see, and if they're – you know, is issues, and he was, like I said, at practice today. So, you know, if you figure that he's going to play, you've got your hands full on that defense. With Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, you know, they have a lot of good personnel on the front part of their defensive line, and that could create some problems. And, again, you got a rookie guard, second-year center, uh, a, a right tackle that has had his issues when it comes to pass protecting, not so much in the run game. So that's why I, I said, you know, yesterday we we're talking about this. I don't know how much the Falcons really throw in this game. I think they want to control clock, control possessions. Um, you know, again, we probably don't really know much about the Panthers offense just simply because we don't know much about the quarterback. 
They could be a very pedestrian offense, or obviously they could be a spectacular offense because Bryce Young is all world. Um, I probably fall somewhere in the middle. This doesn't feel like an offense that's going to be able to put up a huge amount of points. So you're not necessarily going to get into a shootout with the Carolina Panthers. And obviously that one, you know, they weren't shootouts last year, but you are going to have to be productive running the football. And especially as we've talked all season long about, or all off season long is being productive in the red zone. So I think the two keys are, you've got to be able to put pressure on Bryce Young, keep him out of rhythm, not let him get comfortable. You know, you can't have him complete nine or 10 passes in a row. And, you know, again, all of these things that, that go along with making a rookie quarterback comfortable, you can't allow him to do that. Because by and large, they don't have a ton of offensive personnel, right? They they lost their best wide receiver in that, um, in uh, what's his name, uh, uh, DJ Moore. So, you know, you, you don't have the same personnel on your offense, and obviously they traded away McCaffrey last season. So you, you don't necessarily fear some of the guys that they have, but you've got a quarterback that if he can if he can keep on his game, he, he you know, he's he's a guy that obviously was worthy of the number one pick and a Heisman Trophy winner. He's got a lot of talent, a lot of ability. But don't let him keep comfortable. Don't let him get in a rhythm where he completes nine or ten passes in a row. Keep him guessing. Keep him, keep him under pressure. Keep him under duress. And let's see what happens. And again, offensively, you know, I, I think the game just you don't want you don't want to expose yourself and get yourself into long distances by taking sacks with the Burns and Thompson and Derek Brown, those guys. Like you don't want to get yourself behind the change, as they say, right? You want to keep everything in front of you, keep the chains moving in front, and, you know, obviously that starts a lot with running the football. I don't expect it to be a very high-scoring game. Um, I, I don't think either one of these teams is apt to want to huck it around. Um, you know, we'll see if one team finds a way and they get out to a decent lead, you know, what happens from there. But I don't think either one of these teams, I think, I think both these teams kind of play it close to the vest. Like, you don't want to get – you don't want to take too many chances and get, you know, either somebody out in front or, you know, get too far behind or whatever. Um, so, again, I think it's control the clock on offense, be really good in the red zone. And, you know, I, I would tell you, as I said yesterday, I think Desmond Ritter is probably in that 22 kind of range, 22, 24 kind of range as far as pass attempts go. You know, I don't think that they will throw it 30 times in this game. Just be efficient in the red zone. Keep keep the chains moving. Pick up your third downs. Don't get yourself into third and longs. Force some third and longs for the Panthers. Force them to have some third and 13s, third and 15s. But I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. And I think the Falcons, at the end of the day, come away with a victory. There's no reason to think. Again, I, I said this yesterday. Lie, cheat, steal. Eddie Guerrero, whatever you have to do, find a way to get a victory because you don't even want to think about the idea of being down 0-2. You don't want to think about that at all. You want to control your own destiny, and that starts with beating Carolina at home in the division, You know, starting off the year, which, again, would be the first time that they have won uh, an opening game 
to start the season since 2017, which coincidentally is the last time the Falcons were in the playoffs. And then, look, you know, again, Green Bay, you feel like if you can beat Carolina and you get Green Bay next, I mean, that's certainly a winnable game. We don't, And we've talked all season about this. We don't really know a lot about these teams. We don't know what the Panthers are going to be like with a Bryce Young. We don't know what the Packers are going to be like with a Jordan Love. We don't know about some of these quarterbacks. You know, we don't necessarily have a feel for what these quarterbacks are going to be at the end of the day. You know, and then you, you get Detroit in, uh, in week three. You know, that's going to be an interesting game. That's going to be on the road. You know, it'll be their first road test. And look, if say what you will, if Detroit finds a way to beat Kansas City, you feel like that they've got a lot of momentum. Get off to a good start, and you feel like that they'll have a lot of momentum going into that Week 3 game. I think it's going to be one of the more intriguing games of the year is Week 3 with the Falcons and the Detroit Lions. It's going to be a really good road test for the Falcons. If they can find a way to come out of that with a victory, that will be a quality win for the Falcons. But thankfully, you know, there's no style points. There's no Harris Poll. There's no BCS committees or anything like that. So whatever you have to do, find a way to win. Find a way to win. If it's 10 to 9, if it's 4 to 3, whatever it is, find a way to win on Sunday. And don't let Bryce Young find himself in a rhythm, being comfortable, make his life miserable. And by the way, they've got questions on their offensive line as well. If you look at their offensive line, they definitely have some questions. And, you know, who knows? When you have a rookie quarterback, Bryce Young will probably run himself into a sack or two, right? Just by, you know, not having some of the awareness, he'll probably run himself in a sack or two. So let's see if the Falcons can get off to a, I'll say, three-sack start. We're going to get three sacks in the game. We're going to get three sacks, and Ebicade is going to have one of those. How about that? Let's, let's go hot take. Hot take Tommy. Falcons have three sacks. Ebicade has one. Falcons win it. 2117. All right, Tori McElhaney, when we get back, we'll talk some more Falcons with her. Chuckery hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 99 the game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery Show, hanging out in the Key Studios Wednesday night with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Well, we continue to get ready for Falcons, Panthers, coming up Sunday, week one in the NFL. Falcons at home. And, um, 
you know, hopefully it is all good news after the game. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our friend of the show. We'll be talking to her all season long, Tori McElhaney. She covers all things Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can check her out and follow her on our personal Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, thanks for a few minutes on the show tonight as uh, we get ready for an official new season. We're ready to go, and uh, it can't come here soon enough. I couldn't agree more. I'm just ready for some real football. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Um, You know, give us a little bit. What do you think your gut tells you as far as Cordero Patterson? I mean, I know, you know, again, we got kind of some updates, and he was – a not a I guess it was a partial participant in practice we saw Mike Hughes back what does your gut tell you about a couple of these players whether it's Okuda Cordero Patterson like what are you thinking their status is going to be at the end of the day yeah so I I think when you're kind of looking at a guy like CP and a guy like Mike Hughes those are two guys that I think it, it wouldn't strike me as as crazy at all to say that they could be back on Sunday and be be ready to go for week one even though they haven't been fully practicing in a couple weeks I I do think that you could probably put the ball in CP's hands right now and he'd probably be okay so I think it's it's not something that I think is it you know every single time they talked about it's like soft tissue soft tissue and sometimes those things just need some time off just to heal and they've had I feel like plenty of time they've had a lot of time so if they're I think if they're around 100%, they'll be good to go. I think Jeff Akuda is maybe a bit more of a question mark for me. Now, I'm also not saying that CP and Mike Hughes are going to go out there on, on Sunday, but I think they have more of a likelihood than Jeff Akuda just because of the nature of the injury and the fact that they have been limited and, and Jeff Akuda hasn't made it out to the field just yet. I think it probably could be a few more weeks for him. Do you think there's any chance he goes to a short-term IR if – if this thing is going to go two or three weeks before he's going to be ready. I mean, is that kind of still on the table? Do you think for, for him being on short-term IR? Possibly, but the, but with the IR rules right now, it's if you go on IR, you have to miss four games. Mm -hmm. So if they were to have put him on IR, you know, this past week and, and said, you know, okay, he's going to miss the first four games of the season, then okay. But if they have any inkling that he could potentially be back in week two or week three, then there's no need to put him on IR because then you're kind of blowing him for, for two games that he could possibly be back. So, you know, Tori, when you look at this matchup, um, you know, and I know it's, it's a different season that these teams are completely different, um, you know, than what they were last year, but you know, it was kind of striking just how many similarities. I mean, it it's they're not mirror images, but, you know, they were pretty close in a lot of the numbers that they had. I mean, save sacks, you know, the, the Panthers were pretty much drastically better than the Falcons at sacking the quarterback, but the Falcons were drastically better at running the football. But when you look right. at, like, scoring, pass defense, rush defense, yards per carry – like there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. Yeah, no, and it's it's interesting too because you kind of feel like both feel like they're kind of at the cusp of something. You don't know what direction this thing is going to go in. I think for either team, and something that I think is actually pretty intriguing, and why I think I'm so excited that this it, Carolina and Atlanta is the Week One matchup for the Falcons is, is because it almost feels like this is going to be a coach's chess match to a certain extent because neither team really has a lot of good looks on 
what either side is going to do offensively. Or, honestly, to be completely honest with the Falcons' defense, there are so many new pieces that you don't know what that defense is really going to look like either. So, I mean, Jerry Gray today said there are a lot of things that we haven't shown on film yet in the first three preseason games. So, I just think there's a lot out there that we just don't necessarily know about these teams and how they're going to operate when it comes down to the wire on – Sunday. So that's something that I, I think when I'm looking at these two teams and where they are, that's something that I'm actually pretty intrigued about because it feels like it's going to be, one would hope, good football. Tori McElhaney joining us here on the WadeFord.com hotline, Falcons reporter for AtlantaFalcons.com. Um, one thing, let's let's talk about our favorite thing in the in the world uh, with the Falcons, depth charts. Um, but <laughs> but I, uh, I, I was excited to see – um, D. Alford be listed as the first team punt return guy. And look, I, I I'm excited about him getting a chance. And look, I would love to see Avery Williams out there. I, I love Avery Williams, and right. I think he does so many good things. Not just in the punt return game, but obviously, you know, his even his offensive and, and where he's had to play all over the field. But I'm excited to see D. Alford. I mean, maybe it's a small mm-hmm. thing, but I, I am excited to see what he can do and. You know, again, hopefully he gets some opportunities and some chances to show. And, and look, who knows what can happen, but I liked what I saw in the preseason. And that's at least one thing that, you know, is kind of maybe a little bit fresher, different than maybe what we thought going into the season. I'm excited to see what he can do back there. Yeah, I am too. And I think this is a guy who, who went out and, and earned that spot. I mean, I remember at the very beginning of training camp, it felt like there it was a competition for that spot with, like, four or five, maybe six guys that were consistently fielding punts during training camp practices. And slowly but surely as the preseason went on and, you know, injuries happen and then you have a cut down and, and et cetera, et cetera. But D. Alford was the last, game, last man standing. And I, I think when you look at what he was able to show, even just in that one return that he had against Miami and, and kind of that ability, I mean, this isn't someone who I don't think has fielded a ton of has been a big-time punt returner at any point in his career. I mean, I, I think he's only had a, gosh, I don't even know, maybe like, I, I don't even want to say a number, but I don't think it's a pretty significant number in terms of how many punt return yards he's had over his entire career, whether it be college or CFL or whatever. But he's somebody who I think has established himself as somebody who wants to go. He, he really is a guy who I think wants to go out and make an impact and, and I think that he's done that so far in the preseason. It's something that I'm really excited to see come Sunday. So I'll ask you a question that uh, my producer and I were kind of talking about. So if I give you the number 25 and a half, do you think Desmond Ritter <laughs> throws more passes or throws fewer passes than 25 and a half? I think it's going to be fewer. I think if you can stay around that number, that's maybe where you want to be. But I do think that the Falcons have something really special in terms of what they're able to do run when they run the ball. And I don't think they're going to get too far away from that, especially when you have – when you saw what a guy like Tyler Algier did just, I think, in and of himself last year, the fact that you now have Bajon with him. And let's – I mean, let's be honest. Even though Bajon has a bunch of abilities as a pass catcher, I do think that – He's still running back through and through, and I do think we're still going to see him have traditional carries. So I think if you, I think the Falcons are good if they're right around that 25, but I think just in terms of maybe the first, 
I don't know, the, the first game and just trying to get your feet wet. A, a young quarterback's best friend is a solid run game. And I, I think you don't want to push I – I wouldn't want to push it too far in, in week one. No. Yeah, and, and as great minds think alike. I mean, I, I think the number's going to be about 22 to maybe 24 because – and I'll, I think the other thing too is – and it looks like Brian Burns may end up playing. He did He did practice today. So, um, obviously, there was a question mark about contracts and, and different things like that. But I, I think the other part of it, too, Tori, is I still think that there is some questions about how good in pass protection our offensive line is. And, you know, mm-hmm. is Caleb McGarry a, a guy that can handle a, a bigger load in, in, pass, in uh, pass protection? You know, obviously, the in, interior of our offensive line. And look, you got Shaq Thompson, Brian Burns, Derek Brown. Like, there's some beasts up front for Carolina's defense. Yeah. And I, I think part of that is just not getting too far behind the chains and taking too many chances in the passing game and not accumulating yards for it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, don't get me wrong, I think that, you know, the guys are going to have his tar- their targets. And I think that Desmond's going to have plenty of opportunities to throw the ball on Sunday. But I, I just, don't want like I don't want people to go in there thinking that Drake London is going to have 12 targets. I right. mean, heck, he right. may, but and there's always an opportunity for that to happen. But for me, if I'm just kind of just looking at what the strengths of this offense still is, it's still running the ball. That that hasn't changed just because you have a new person in at left guard. I don't think like I I do still believe that this this offense it, it kind of hinges the success of it hinges upon how solid this ground game can be and how how they can continue to pound the ball on the ground. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Tori McElhaney joining us here from AtlantaFalcons.com on the WadeFord.com hotline. And, and look, I, I've talked about this, um, you know, repeatedly here over the last couple few days that I, I, think the, I think the key to the game is the defensive line of the Atlanta Falcons. Can they keep pressure on Bryce Young. He's not a running quarterback, but he can make plays with his legs. But you don't want him to get comfortable. You don't want him completing right. nine passes in a row. You don't want him to feel good. I mean, you know, I, I really do think that this is where Ryan Nielsen is going to have something up his sleeve where they try to get consistent pressure on Bryce Young. Yeah, well, I think it goes back to something that Jerry Gray said today, and Jerry Gray's the uh, assistant head coach defense, and he his his role is kind of in the secondary. But he was he was making such a good point where he was like, our goal going into this game in Week One is to make Carolina uneasy, and I thought that word uneasy was such a good word to describe how they want to impact a young quarterback, if you have a hand in his face (laughs) nine times out of ten, he's going to feel uneasy. He's not going to feel comfortable. And I think the less comfortable Bryce Young is, the more opportunities there is for the Falcons, obviously, as a defense to make some plays and maybe cause some some three and outs. And so I I really think that if that's the contingency that they want to live in, if that's the plan that they want to live in, and they even said, you know, Yes, we're. It was funny because Jerry Gray was like, "Yeah, we're playing defense and everything like that, but we want to go on the offensive sometimes. Like we we want to go up in the attack, and we that's how, what we want to be. That's who we are. So I think like actually being able to see that series in and series out, drive in, drive out. That that is where this defense can really make a stand. And you know, last thing for you, Tori. I you know I'm going to be curious to see where Carolina attacks this defense because. 
again, it's not in an immensely talented, you know, group of skill position people, but you do wonder about, okay, do they pick on the second corner for the Falcons? Do they take, you know, a, uh, you know, a Hayden Hurst and attack over the middle of the field? Like, I'm going to be curious to see just kind of what Frank Reich has up his sleeve as far as where he decides to attack this defense. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, there's going to be some times where Frank Reich gets the best of this defense. But mm-hmm. I think it's – and it goes back to kind of the first point that I made when we were talking. It's like this is going to be a coach's chess match. This game is because the Falcons don't have any tape of, of the, this Carolina offense with, a, with Frank Reich calling the plays and, and Bryce Young as the quarterback and all their other pieces. I mean, they don't have tape on that. But simultaneously – Carolina doesn't have tape on the Falcons either. So it's really going to be about the in-game adjustments. And, okay, if they have an explosive play, how can the Falcons defense come back and actually make a play in and of themselves to kind of keep things moving in the right direction that they want it to move in? Tori McElhaney, she covers all things Atlanta Falcons for AtlantaFalcons.com. She'll be joining us here all season long, and she joined me on the WaitFor.com hotline. Give her a follow on her personal Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, thank you so much. And uh, look, we'll be looking forward to talking to you all season long. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, it will be time for the Falcons flyover. We'll hear from the head coach and the quarterback. Plus, a couple other news and notes as PFF hands out their preseason awards. And guess what? The Falcons are involved. Aren't you excited, Day Day? With that fresh dew back there. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, not to the game, the Odyssey.com app.